That's me. That, I'm not quite an export because I'm actually standing here and in, uh, in Fremantle right now, so I'm uh, I'm still actually here. Oh, there you go in Fremantle. Yeah. Is that is that where the the Van Leeuwen Mansion is, or is are you on assignment, or what are you doing? Uh, I think we call it an estate normally. No, no, it's uh, this is this is um, this is where I live. This is where I live. It's definitely not a mansion. It's a uh, it's a very nice old cottage in a beautiful part of Fremantle. Very oh, nice. There you go. Beautiful there you go. There you go, and and the the reality is like all um, but those that work in motorsport, particularly in journal- journalism, it would be your second home. Your first home would, of course, be the hotels around every racetrack around Australia. And mate, you visited them all, and you've had a huge week, I reckon, down in Tail and Bend because uh, whilst the racing was perhaps somewhat pedestrian. I reckon the the walkway between the garages at the back of pit lane, she was on fire. There is so much happening. It was crazy. It was honestly crazy. I don't, you know, we've had some pretty newsy weekends this year. Newcastle 500 was obviously just insane with everything that happened there. But yeah, this weekend was definitely right up there with just just head spinning. You know, you don't know where things are going to land. Everything up in the air. Day. And just some... Just some really surprising things, you know, like, well, I'm sure we're going to get onto it all, but like the Richie Stanaway story, just surprising things that are kind of cool. But when you hear it, you think, that can't, that's not right, right? That's not actually what they're going to do. I'm glad mm. they're doing it, but that's not it. You know, just one of those weekends of just really chasing some proper news and having a whole lot of fun with it. You know, the Richie Stanaway thing for me was a little bit like, you know, those street performers that do the ping pong ball with the beer cups and it's like, you know, here, here, there, and, and it's all sleight of hand and don't look over here because for the last, mm. I don't know, up until Brown was announced at Triple Eight, we were all going, oh, you know, it could be a Stanaway thing, you know, it could be his way back in, all that kind of stuff. No one picked Richie Stanaway to be heading back to Penrite Racing full time. I mean, I, I didn't pick it and I don't know too many others that did. Um, I did pick it, luckily, because I got the break news, but it did but, but very late, like last Thursday, mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're right yeah. in that it really felt like if Richie was going to get another full-time opportunity, it was going to come at Triple Eight. Um, mm. And he even said, you know, I spoke to him when the Triple Eight deal was announced, and he said, like, this is going to make it hard to pursue a full-time deal because it's such a good gig. You know, if you're an enduro driver at Triple Eight, you know, are you really going to throw that away to go and drive down at the back of the grid and he's kind of got some experience with doing that and it obviously didn't work out very well so I think it's really commendable that he has decided to look for an opportunity elsewhere I mean he's going to triple eight south basically but um it's kind of like I, I like the idea that he has he obviously just is in a mind frame where he wants to be back there and I think we could see it at Bathurst last year that he is a changed man compared to the guy that walked away from the sport at the end of 2019, he is so outrageously fast. That bloke, oh, when he's when he's on, he is ridiculously talented. He will hopefully, if he's dedicated and committed, just be an incredible addition to the grid at a time where we're about where we're about to lose our sort of flagship driver. Mm. Um, so it's just a it, it's a very unexpected signing. I, I sort of thought they might go for like a JC type for a stopgap and then look to go into the market in 2024 silly season for 2025. But mm. I just love the fact they've done this. I love the, however it goes. I just think it's it, it's an amazing roll of the dice from Groves and good on them for doing it. Aviel, an important fact of Richie coming back to, it's not a, because obviously with um, Dave leaving, now it's all up in the air, what's going to happen with Penrite and whatnot. This isn't like a pay deal. He's not bringing sponsorship with him. Boost has got nothing to do with this. They just literally picked Richie on the merits of his driving, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the Groves do march the 
beat of their own drum. To some extent, they really um, they put a high value on experience in Europe and experience in the GT program. That's obviously their world. That's where that's where they come from. Steve Brenton have had a heap of success in in Porsche and GT racing. Um, so I think they see that experience that Richie has in Europe um, and has in the GT system as a factory Aston Martin driver, and that is attractive to them. And I just I just like the fact they're not set in their ways and worried about. Obviously, he had some baggage last time. It really just mm. it really just didn't work out. But they can look through that and go right. You know, let's look at what he did at Bathurst last year in qualifying. You know, let's look at what he did at Bathurst in what was it 2018 uh, or yep. sorry 2017 when he was paired with. Cam Waters in the wet at Bathurst, what he did at Sandown. Mm. You know, the guy has got the X factor. So let's let's prioritise that. Let's prioritise the fact he is just ridiculously fast and we'll try and manage all the off-track stuff and get his head in the... Like, we'll back ourselves to get that part of it right, you know, at the same time. So, yeah, it's just a, it's just a great signing. You can you can manage. It's it's very hard to manage speed. You can protect. You can potentially get someone to speed up a little bit, or sometimes you need someone to slow back a little bit. The off track stuff and the sponsorship stuff that's man management. And if you're really good at man management and staff management, you should be able to work on all that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. The one question I had that I thought about during the week. Obviously, Triple Eight are running Chevs Grove are running Mustangs. We call it and we laugh about it being Triple Eight of the South because it's got so many of the staff members and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But do you reckon Triple Eight are relatively comfortable keeping him in as an endurance driver now, knowing that he's going from a Chev team to a Ford team, even though in the Ford background there are those weird rumours that uh, Grove might be turning from Ford to, to Chev? Do you reckon they're a bit more comfortable about that because they are at this stage, although very close, they're still different cars? I think so. Look, I don't think you can look at it like that. I think you've got to go, particularly now where the cars are so similar. You know, I mean, I guess Richie might is going to learn a bit about where they're mounting uprights and all that sort of stuff um, on those cars. But again, right now, if the Groves are running forwards next year, that's not necessarily going to translate directly anyway. But, mm. you know, you could say that about any driver. Any driver is going to take what they know somewhere else. Um, I think Triple Eight would always back themselves to just be triple eight and to, yep. to not have to be too concerned about who's going to take what. I think if he was a technical person um, who had access and had spent, um, you know, the whole year staring at those squiggly lines and knowing exactly what was working and what wasn't, then they might be concerned. And I think if they were four tenths down the road from everyone, they might be concerned as well. But I think their concern at the moment is probably on trying to um, trying to catch up to Erebus rather than worrying about what Richie might take to Groves next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. Hey, can we talk Matt Stone Racing for just a second? Um, mm. That was, of course, the, the really big yeah. – uh, another Talking one of the big Erebus, gets was yeah. that JLB <laughs> went across to Erebus, which was, I mean, a bit of a surprise, but not really because he had a lot of his junior career there. He was part of their junior development program. There's a known relationship there. And, in fact, if you look down the list of which of the top ten of which drivers are available for next year, he's the fastest guy and he's the first one available. So, of course, why wouldn't you pick – JLB, um, so a really good get for them. But what, what are we what are we thinking about the JLB seat? Because we know that Nick Perkett's now out of a drive. We know that Scotty Pye is essentially all but out of a drive, even though it hasn't been announced yet. Um, uh, who do we think is going to fit that? Is it going to be Courtney as well that we think is going to be out of a drive? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, Courtney is. Oh, sorry, Courtney's not going to be out of a drive, and that's that's quite an important point. Like, mm. it's just a massive testament to that bloke that in forty three years of age or forty two that he is he will land somewhere because he is 
commercially savvy. And that's not, you know, remember, unless your mum or dad's paying for it, you're not a pay driver. If you go out there and get sponsors mm. that want to follow you around, that is a commendable thing to be doing. Um, and he's fast. So he's at the top of, you know, I believe he's at the top of the wish list at MSR. And he's at the top of the wish list for BRT as well. Um, because I think that Todd Hazelwood is on pretty shaky ground. Both those teams want someone experienced. They want a race winner. They both, you know, MSR is shopping around a race-winning seat. You know, Jack LeBrock won a race this year. Mm. Um, they have proven to be a speedy team. There's been Ken Hill shown some great signs of speed at certain circuits where MSR does well. Um, so, you know, they've actually got they've got something to shop around. They need to go to market for a sponsor, Truck Assist from what we understand, won't be there next year. So they do need to be shopping around for a sponsor. And someone like James Courtney is the ideal person to bring some backing and then be able to take to market to get more backing. So mm. I think he's in the frame there. I feel like he's probably slightly... BRT is probably the slight favourite to land um, his services, but I think they're both in the frame. And then I think after after James for MSR, I think you've got Scott Pye and Nick Burkett right in the mix as well. That, that That's the sort of driver they want. They want someone to basically come in and pick up where Jack has left off. Nick needs a bit of rebuilding. We've seen him really struggle, um, you know, during his couple mm. of years at WAU. He's sort mm. of in a very Daniel Ricciardo style situation at McLaren. Um, but the guy's class. Like, he's a class driver. He's proven that before. Um, if he can get his head right, you know, he walked into Chaz Mostert and Adam DeBore's team and he's kind of limped out of it. Like, it just has not gone well for him. But I think if he goes... We saw how he excelled at BJR in that family team environment where he's the clear lead driver. He'll get what he needs. He'll get the support he needs. You know, I could see him going to MSR and doing a really good job as well. So, you know, I think I think there's actually some, you know, they've been, they're sort of just collateral damage MSR really in terms of the driver market because they, you know, two weeks ago, Matt thought he was fine and they were going to re-sign Jack and life was good. They've been swept up in other people's dramas. Um, but, they're kind of the it's kind of a, a really good seat that's on offer and I think they've I think yeah, they've got some good options. If I'm Courtney like I'm a I'm a fifty year old bloke and Courtney's forty three. If I'm Courtney right now and I'm Courtney's management, I'm looking at Blanchards and I'm looking at MSR, I've got to say, I, I don't know why I would even be contemplating uh, Blanchards. I, it, I this is not a crack at Blanchards, but these two teams are now at very different stages of their of their development. Blanchards is still young-ish. Um, they don't have essentially an engineer. Um, they've had a lot of staff leave. They're in a building phase. MSR, I kind of feel, are the team now that, you know, even with Jack LeBrock, I'd have been looking at it going, well, you know, do I, am I going to be a clear number one at MSR? Am I going to go to Erebus? And I'm going to Brody's team. I look at where where JC is now and I go, I'm 43 years of age. So I've probably got two to three years of full-time driving left. What is a happy race driver? A happy race driver is when they're a number one. We've all got egos. We love to be a number one driver. I reckon going to MSR as a number one driver with some collateral, with some commercial collateral and clout there. He's a Queenslander. His family's here in Queensland. And more to the point of that, as he gets to the age of 45 or 46, or whatever he decides when he starts to slow and decides to, to, to want to jump out, he is the, and MSR are the next perfect opportunity, I think, for me to do a wild card. And so therefore, JC's got a walk-up start to go, not unlike Craig Lowndes, the evergreen Craig Lowndes, to go on and be a mentor to the younger drivers, a mentor to the team, and finish out his career and a really nice place at MSR. 
I don't think he needs to bring money in, in, to either of them. I think he's going to get paid, but he could actually bring some money and some wedge if he wanted to to bolster payment. I just, if I'm a race driver, I am not contemplating uh, Blanchard's and I'm I'm boots in at MSR for mine. That's that's the way as a 50 year old I look at it. Yeah, look, I think that uh, you make a bunch of really good points there, and it sounds like I don't know if, if Matt Stone sent you that script to send, but that's what I've been telling James <laughs> as well. No, 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 that, that was just make, me thinking that, about that it. Would, that would make uh, that would make sense, and I think they're all super valid points. I guess the other thing is when you look at a driver at 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 the at the point in their career that James is at is that you, I guess, he's going to want to maximise what he's uh, what he is actually earning. Yeah. Um, so that might come into it. There could be some considerations, and I, I don't want to say too much here because I don't know, and it's, we're speculating about commercial stuff. It's dicey, but you know, how is the um, how is that backing that he may have? You know, the backing that's on sure. his car right now. How is that tied yep. up? How how is that being shopped around? Is that yep. all him? Is that part Tickford? Would they yep. like to see it go to one team over the other? I think they're all things that that need to be sort of considered. So, look, the talk is that he's the favorite. He would be the clear um, number one at. Yeah. BRT. What they want to do is have Aaron Love in the second car. They're mm-hmm. very nervous about having him uh, in a single car team, rolling out for a rookie for a, uh, for a rookie season. <laughs> Don't um, lose your track while you while you're telling Junior uh, AVL to quiet down in the background. There, it's all good. That's exactly what I was doing. They just came out. They just both came out. The five year old, the three year old just came out. Uh, and oh, that's so to, funny. Uh, Trying to, trying to calm him down. Um, um, yeah, yeah. What was I saying? Yeah, so um, you know, yeah. he would obviously be the clear number one. Yeah, BRT want Aaron Love in a car next year. They need the two cars to do it. I yep. think they'll have a big swing at signing James, knowing that if they do end up at one car, as unlikely as that is, he's a good guy to have in the car. And if they can go to two, he'll be a great guy to mentor Aaron and, and get him up to speed. But in terms of the team structure and competitiveness, like I, I think everything you said there is 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 spot on. You know, it, MSR is actually it's a well functioning team at the moment, and yeah. that's a competitive seat. And and that's where I think if you're any like you know if I if I'm Scott Pye or Nick Burkett, I'm going hey if I can get in there, oh. there's no reason why I can't go out there and stick it on pole in Darwin next year and drive away from the field like Jack did. Yeah. You know, and, oh, well, yeah, exactly. Happen. And hasn't that been hasn't the the performance of JLB been both really good for JLB, but also good for Matt Stone Racing because Matt Stone Racing two years ago was a question mark. It was probably respectfully where you'd want to start your career, but not necessarily yeah. where you would want to be. You'd be looking to a, for a performance gain. But right now, JLB and the team and all the engineers have dragged that thing up the front. And so now JLB, uh, now uh, MSR with J, with uh, Courtney and Pi and Percat are going, hello, oh, this is a plum seat. This is a ripper. No, no, he's you know Matt's in a position where people will actually be fighting over that seat, and I'm yeah. sure he's, I'm sure Todd Hazel was going to call him at some point and say, "Hey, why don't we go threesies as well?" Um, because <laughs> you know, you it's, do a, it, it's a good, it's it's well, I mean, I guess I guess how many times you know you sort Third of go, time lucky this. that doesn't doesn't really work. But look, I'm sure you know if they just want that experienced pair of hands, I'm sure he's on the list somewhere. But um, it is they are in a position where you know they actually look like a really good race team uh, at the moment. I think they put a lot of focus in Gen Three, a bit like what Erebus did, where they kind of went, "Here's our chance, but let's make sure we really take it." Um, and you know they've they've just had some great results this year. Bit, they struggled a bit at the bend. I think you're always going to get that, but it certainly um, seems like. And, and what I do really like is the fact that Maddie's talking about wanting race winning drivers and not just going, "Oh, well we need." We're going to lose our sponsor. Let's just get someone yep. who can 
bring some cash in the door. Like they're back in their commercial department. They're going, no, no, let's go get the guy we think can do the job that Jack's been doing for us. And let's, let's back the guys that we're paying to, to, to commercialize this whole team to go out there and, and sell that dream to the people that are going to pay the bills. And that's, that's the sign of a race team trying to be a proper race team. Aviel, we won't keep you too long, but before we let you go, mate, uh, on the topic, we're talking about James Courtney like he's straight out the door at Tickford. He's still got the seat there. However, all that, all the talk about uh, Tickford downsizing to two cars next year, you know, the writing's pretty much on the wall. But uh, mm. Tickford are once again in that uh, scenario of uh, having more drivers than seats available. So what is the what are they going to do here? Because obviously you've got uh, Cam Waters, who seems to be pretty ingrained to that team, and that is basically his team. Like, Campbell feels basically his. Tommy Randall would probably be, after, especially after the weekend at the Bend, mm. he'd be putting his hand up going, yep, I'm in for number two. But where does that leave uh, Declan Fraser? And and also, the other really awkward question is, what's what on earth is happening with Zach Best? Because he seems to have almost been put in a witness protection uh, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, look, I think Zach's probably at this point, unless a major surprise is sprung and let me tell you, I would not actually be surprised of anything anymore because it's just been one of those silly seasons. But um, I, I feel like he's probably going to miss out at this point. I think that um, I think t- you know the tick for downsizing is a thing that's happening. I think we should just chalk that up as you know it's going to yeah. go ahead um, in in some way or, or other. So um, I, I would imagine that you know they're definitely going to keep Cam. They have fought hard to keep him. You know they had to pull some contractual strings to make sure he couldn't go anywhere. Um, he's kind of from the conversations I've had with him he's kind of happy enough with that because he does have ambitions overseas and I don't know that he necessarily wants to start the journey of going to a new team and feeling like you need to commit to you know at least your two years or your three years to make the whole endeavor worthwhile so I think the if he can sort of roll over single year deals now he's kind of happy enough with that um I would imagine Tommy Randall stays I think if you can fund that that's what makes sense so hopefully you know, he's keeping sweet with Castro. Um, he's a pretty marketable sort of guy. You know, he's a pretty friendly dude to roll out to, to a sponsor group and, and keep him happy. So uh, Tickford as a two-car team will be a much better team. Yeah, great. Yeah. Tickford as a two-car team with Cam Waters and Thomas Randall, that's a strong team. That's a competitive team. And mm-hmm. what I love about this silly season, the most critical part about this is that it's just played out so beautifully and that we're going to have these really strong teams next year. Like, I'm excited about next season already because in an alternative world, Cam Waters would have signed with Triple Eight and there's probably the next five championships done. You know, like the best driver goes to the best team and to replace Giz and, you know, or, or even if they'd gone after Brody, you know. But I think that we're sort of, the way it's playing out, you know, Will Brown and Brock Feeney there, that's just a tasty matchup. Like, who knows how that's kind of going to go. I think Will's going to have his work cut out for him there. Cam, you know, Cam staying at Tickford, that's, that keeps Tickford in the game. If they slim back and concentrate on two cars, they're going to be competitive. Chaz, you know, Chaz could drive anything and he's going to be somewhere in the game. So there's WAU that are competitive. Brody at Erebus, I mean, look at that partnership, the way that fired on the weekend. Like, I think he's really... Incredible. I think he's sort of gone, hang on, this championship's mine now. Like, if yep. I I just have to get to the end, Will's not a threat anymore. Yep. This is all me. So that that's absolutely firing. And I think he wants to check a bunch of stuff off his wish list so he can go overseas at some point. There's a bunch of really competitive... And then we talk about the other teams that have performed. You know, Andre at BJR and whoever ends up at MSR. And, you know, like, it's just... It's just really exciting looking ahead to next year. I think, uh, you know, if they can get on top of the parity thing, there's a whole bunch of teams and drivers that are going to be out there 
you know, in, in the game to win races. Like, it's it, the Phillies season could not have played out in a more kind of weirdly random but exciting way. Well, Avia, we've actually got some feedback here on our text line saying the quickest way to sort out parody is to just put Garth Tander in a Mustang and we'll see how he goes. So, well, we're about to see that. <laughs> we're about to see that. Yeah, at Grove, so, that isn't that a uh, isn't that a great lineup for Bathurst? <laughs> I mean, it was always going to happen, but that is a fantastic lineup for uh, Bathurst, Garth and uh, Garth and Dave. That'll be a lot of fun. Those are just yep. that, those um that what's that the seat fitting that the pedal box moves now, isn't it? Because otherwise, no, no, yeah. Have you have you, ever, have you have you actually seen that how it works? No, no, how, how, yeah, because between Davy and Gar, it's, it's it's incredible. I was actually looking at it in the car um, in Sydney. It's like, um, it's just you pull a little lever, and this and it, it, like it's like doing it in your road car. Like it's like moving your seat in your oh. road car, but the pedal box moves. It is the easiest thing in the world. It's quite amazing when you actually see it in action. So, see, Stevie yeah, J wouldn't be able to do that because in his road cars, there's no handle or any of that. It's just electric. Just an electric pushback in his Euro seats, or no? Actually, I shouldn't say that. He drives a Ford, doesn't he? He drives a Lanham Ford uh, Ranger. Oh, sorry. Oh, he still has electric seats, so he wouldn't know what the slide's all about. Yeah, there's also. I don't think there's a room for a cup holder for a Macca's McFlurry in a uh, Gen Three car. But um, uh, AVL, there isn't a Ranger. I can give you the strong tip because every time he arrives at the studio, he's got one. Yeah. Well. I do. I do like the fact you think you're going to get him on the phone out of Tail and Ben because there is no phone reception out there. So good luck with that later on in the show. Oh, anyway, has that got a dose of the SMPs about it, uh, Tail and oh, Ben? I didn't. I don't remember that. Absolutely horrible. No, it's a constant really? battle out that part of the world. So uh, oh, I was no. quite amused when you when you said at the top that you're going to get him on the phone. I thought, yeah, good luck with that. Well, we, well, better, we better I run think... out that uh, Milo tin and string <laughs> as we speak now, Maddie. Hey, ABL, you've been incredibly generous with your time, mate, especially since uh, you're actually technically on holidays too, so we appreciate you jumping on board. But uh, i got to say, literally, when we did, and you could check our socials yourself, mm. but our text line is just lit up, and we are very much riding on your coattails at the moment. So we appreciate you jumping on board, mate. No, I look forward to uh, listening to the rest of the show.